there's an acronym FIRE, Financially Independent to Retire Early. So it's actually a movement and it was kind of started uh, among millennials in the United States. And I think it traces back to the late 90s, but really it, it kind of kicked off in the 2000s. And there was a, there's like one famous internet personality, Mr. Money Mustache, who uh, really popularized it. And uh, kind of what is kind of peculiar about FIRE is that they advocate a frugal lifestyle. So living well below your means and uh, they kind of advocate anti-consumerism to, to achieve this, while at the same time, depending on capitalism uh, to uh, ensure early retirement uh, through uh, building up sufficiently high passive income that it can completely cover your living expenses. Hey, happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Weekly Wassel. Today I'm joined by my resident Croatian here in the Netherlands. I, I hope I got that right, right? Yeah. Yes, I remembered it, but I always mis confuse myself. But Peter is here with us. And Peter is uh, a computer scientist. More than that, he is passionate about financial independence. I want to talk to him about everything related to that. I want to discuss everything of how he went from there to there. But before that, I want to really know how Peter came here in the Netherlands, how we met, and what drove Peter into this world of financial independence. So before we continue, Peter, how are you doing? Yeah, great to be with you, Ahad. I'm doing great. Yeah. Yes, so uh, Peter. It's a nice, uh, nice winter uh, evening here. Yeah. How's the weather in Croatia, though? I've heard it's warmer. Is that true? It's milder, yeah. Really? In winter, it's milder, yeah. That's shocking. Cause... And, and in summer, it will be a, a bit hotter. Yeah. I, I, for some reason, never knew that. I always grouped Croatia into Eastern Europe, and that has always been a bit more of a colder region, right? If you think Romania, Hungary. Okay, so I'm kind of speaking from the region where I come from, which is the, the seaside, so it has a Mediterranean climate. Ah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We also have yeah continental and even mountainous climate in some parts of the country, so it can be colder as well. Ah, yeah, so you live near the, near the beach. Yeah. So ah. there, there's like a part which is mountainous and they get like a meter of snow in winter. So that can be exactly. more extreme than here. Yeah, that, yeah. That's what I've heard about. it. So uh, how did you come to the Netherlands, Peter? Yeah, so my, my path was kind of a, let's say, uh, it, it was a two-step uh, path. So first I moved to Belgium. That was uh, back in 2011. Moved to Belgium to start a PhD. Uh, I did a study uh, in computer science on distributed uh, algorithms. Uh, yeah, with application to uh, high performance computing. Ooh, so, so you were working with Spark and stuff? I was working with something called MPI. It's a message passing interface. So it's it's at a much lower level than Spark. Okay. And this is this is like. Yeah, you can think of it as a, as a library that uh, you would uh, use if you write your program in, in C++ or Fortran. So it is quite low level, okay. but, but it scales uh, extremely well. Yeah, at the time when I, when I did my PhD, it was like the best scaling uh, approach to uh, high performance computing on, on like supercomputers that have tens of thousands or even millions of CPUs. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I joined the, the so-called Intel Exoscience Lab in, in Leuven, 
so I was like living in Brussels. Uh, yeah, it was a really nice experience. And, uh, yeah. Kind of, uh, sharing uh, like a seat with people from Intel and kind of also with people from other universities and, and, and solving these big problems for, uh, I think we were like focusing on plasma physics at the time, Ooh. doing a space weather simulation and, uh, and kind of also targeting Intel's latest hardware. So we would kind of get uh, access to, yeah, like interesting CPUs that were not yet available on the market. And uh, that's pretty cool. And, so how long did you do that before you moved to the Netherlands? So, so that, that took five years, I think. Yeah. So I lived in Brussels at the time and then, um, yeah, then I started looking for work and yeah, one of the job offers came from, uh, ASML from the Netherlands, ASML. And then I uh, found it quite interesting and it was not such a big move. So like one hour by car. Yeah. Uh, so I said, why not? Yeah. I'm already kind of used to this, uh, region of uh, Europe. Oh, very, very interesting. Uh, and then, yeah, so I've been um, here for seven years then. Seven years? Yeah. Oh, that's in, long. In Eindhoven, yeah. That's pretty long. I've been here for five almost, and I can't believe it. I still can't believe it. So how do you know seven years have gone by of your life in this city? Like, How do you feel about it? Sometimes I think uh, I made a mistake. <laughs> Sometimes I think, yeah, life in Brussels was much better, uh, like so? social, social wise. I had, uh, more, more, more friends or closer friends, let's say. Yeah. And, and like moving to Eindhoven was starting from scratch. Yeah. And the older was, you it get, was, it, it becomes quite difficult. difficult and, yeah. And it's, I mean, I already kind of did this once by moving from Croatia to Belgium. Yeah. And then again, uh, from Belgium to the Netherlands and, and each time you start from zero. It's, it's difficult, yeah. It is difficult, and this is very interesting. I would love to uh, know more about this, your experience as an expat, going into places, building a new community from scratch, because it is difficult, it is effortful, and every single time you have to go and do the same thing again, introduce yourselves again. It's not the same as, you know, like having deep level relationships where you can debate and discuss. You and I have been in different meetups where we do debate and discuss. Yes. And we we do that, but we still don't know each other on a, on a deeper level. So we can even understand why we debate and discuss the way we debate and discuss. Right. So what is your experience on this, of, on moving from place to place and building your own communities? I think it is quite a, quite an educating experience. You, you realize, uh, I mean, you learn that you can be quite independent and you can kind of, um, drive your own path through life and that you have a, like a lot of control over that. And, uh, it, it's quite scary. At least it was for me when I was moving from Croatia to Belgium, I had no idea what to expect. Uh, but then the second time I did it from the Netherlands, from Belgium to the Netherlands, I was feeling quite confident. Yeah. I didn't have the fear anymore. Yeah. I, I knew, I knew what was in store <laughs> and the challenges that are going to be ahead. Um, I think it makes you, yeah, I think it makes you stronger. Also like living in a different country, in a different culture, with a different language is, a, is also a great opportunity to grow as a person and, uh, yeah, and experience different points of view, different ways of life that you would not be exposed had you stayed in your country uh, the whole time. Indeed. Indeed. And the Belgians, not just Croatians, but the Belgians and the Dutch are also very different people. So that also plays yes, a role. They in are. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah. yeah. So you're telling me it, it's an educational experience and you knew you were ready for what to, what was to come in Eindhoven, but you still believe 
it was a mistake and Brussels was better. So why did Eindhoven... I'm kind of half-joking, yeah. So, I mean, it has, Eindhoven has its advantages. But in, in terms of, yeah, let's say, kind of social life I had in Brussels, it is a more exciting city. It's, I mean, Brussels is, what, like five, six times bigger than Eindhoven in, in population. Ah, okay. That's why. So actually, even more international than Eindhoven. Really? Yeah, I mean, I, it's the capital of Europe, so yeah. we have pretty much everybody from Europe in Brussels. Yeah. yeah, I've heard a lot about Brussels. I've been to Antwerp, my client is in Antwerp, and Antwerp itself also looks like a very happening city. Uh, and uh, I can't imagine how Brussels, big Brussels is, because yeah, it's, it, it gives you Amsterdam feels. And Amsterdam also is pretty huge. So Yeah, I think yeah. Brussels is maybe almost twice the size of Amsterdam, so Oof. it's pretty large. It is pretty large. Yeah, then I can imagine why you feel like it's not the same. But at least you're trying here. You have your own community. And this is exactly where I want to transition into, that you have your community, you built your community here in, in Eindhoven. It is related to personal finance. It is related to Indeed, yeah. So Yeah, so it was kind of an effort partially to kind of build a community of people. It was partially uh, like a volunteer uh, effort. So I, I kind of give advice. Uh, I don't charge anything for that. But it's I also used an opportunity for myself to learn things. So I, I challenge myself uh, when, I, when I give a lecture. Uh, I would not always pick a topic that I'm like uh, super comfortable with. And I would use it as an opportunity to to study on this and 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 learn in the process, and I also kind of try to surround myself with people who are also quite experienced, and learn from them. But at the same time, uh, we I try to make this group accessible to everybody. So yeah, I, I combine let's say introduction level topics together with the intermediate level topics uh, in a way that kind of keeps most people uh, interested. And uh, and it's been now slightly over a year that I've been doing this, and yeah, I'm quite quite uh, happy with it. Yeah. I think yeah. it was one of the better things I did since I moved to Eindhoven. Yeah, oh, that, that's very nice that you have your own community. And I want to get a bit deeper into this concept of of the community you're building. So it is about financial independence, and you want to take Indeed, uh, yeah. you want to take a little bit of uh, effort in trying to learn as well stuff which is related to financial independence that you might not know. So you try to challenge yourself. But I'm quite curious how a developer working in distributed algorithms suddenly out of nowhere decided that you know what my calling my interests are financial independence yeah it's not necessarily related to to my my uh, professional background at all i would say i um i guess maybe it, it would go all the way back to my to my childhood so i i kind of had like an unusual experience uh that like first half of my childhood i could say i lived in in opulence I enjoyed things which were quite inaccessible to most of my uh, friends. And then at some point, like my parents divorced and um, and uh, yeah, my father like uh, became disabled and all of a sudden like our life completely flipped and, and it became like a much, much more difficult uh, life financially. Uh, just, just like getting uh, enough, to, uh, yeah, just getting like enough food was a challenge. There was like a time I, couldn't even get all my school books when I started high school, like the first grade. Yeah, it was quite a shock. And and I think this experience taught me how uh, transient things in life are and you should never take anything for granted. And, uh, and it kind of uh, forced me to kind of think about my uh, financial security. And I think, 
yeah, because of that, I was interested in in understanding how I can secure my own, uh, let's say, uh, safety net uh, beyond beyond what the state can offer for you. And also the fact that yeah, this was happening in Croatia also kind of kind of maybe disillusioned me with what the state can do for you because it actually didn't do much for us. Yeah. Uh, and that made it much more difficult. So yeah, I kind of went down this path of um, relying on myself more and not expecting the state to jump in and help. And uh, but then yeah, when I moved to Belgium and the Netherlands, then I kind of experienced a different kind of uh, society where the state is much more concerned about uh, the welfare of its citizens and much more active in uh, in improving their uh, well-being. Uh, but still, like the, this experience stays with you. So I, I, I was yeah, yeah thinking you're never really sure what's going to happen. And uh, yeah, you're already prepared. Yeah, yeah, you should prepare yourself. And so that's how it started. And then the more I kind of dug into it, I realized that, hey, like there are some really cool things that you can do with this. And like one of them was like uh, retire early. And it never, never really occurred to me when I was like uh, in my early 20s that this is even possible. I never heard of anybody who, who did that. And um, yeah, and then that, that kind of like really kind of like falling through the, the hole into this completely new uh, world and uh, new, new perspectives open up. And, uh, and then you realize uh, uh, how, how relevant this freedom is that, uh, that you can obtain by becoming financially independent. And, uh, and by financially independent, I don't mean um, being independent of uh, like welfare on the state. It means it's, it's, like, it's actually quite a bit more extreme uh, concept. It means if you're truly financially independent, then you are, then you don't need to work for a living. Essentially, yeah. You have enough income from other sources that you don't need to work unless you really want to work and you really enjoy working. But essentially, you have the freedom to do what you want. And uh, and I would say one of the main reasons why people would pursue that is to do what they want, a job that they really like, but it might be a job that doesn't pay much or Maybe it's a job that doesn't pay at all. Like they're yeah. just volunteering. But they, yeah, still you need to uh, pay your bills uh, somehow. So yeah. financial independence is a way to achieve this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And we can, we can talk about how you might go about uh, doing this. Yeah, definitely. I want to get into a little bit of the uh, 101, definitely. But before we do that, I think you said a lot of interesting stuff that I want to come back to before. So I think I felt a very a similar experience to yours. Uh, uh, my my dad was also very affluent when we were young, and then life happened, and uh, then we became just like getting by. And then me and my brothers and sisters um, immediately, right after getting into the job life, started contributing back into the household, which was not something we were expecting to do because we were like, "Oh, dad is fine, mom is fine. We'll just you know build our own wealth." But uh, to this day, we do uh, send money back home. Because, of course, we're taught that that's also important and we do believe mm -hmm. it's also important, but also because there's a necessity out of it that, that we need to do this because they need to survive. But my experience has been completely the opposite of yours because when I saw my dad like this, uh, 
he began from nothing and from nothing he became very affluent and then he went back to being someone who doesn't have much so the the learning i got out of it was you can always earn money you don't need to worry about it and because of that that's the life i live and i also live very affluently sometimes and i don't realize that i should be having an emergency fund nearby or i should be thinking about okay what what about my retirement or i should be you know like focused on retiring early if that is something that i really really like to do reduce my working hours but i never never think of all of that stuff all i think about is about increasing income like i'll be like okay expenses are fine but how can i increase my income so i have a full time job but on side of that i try to be like you know what it would be nice if i pick up this or oh, it would be very interesting if i can do this this whole russell project is also a byproduct of my uh-huh. excessive need to do stuff right that okay what if i just run these podcasts and run some uh, mastermind groups and see if that that also works out or not so it is interesting that i'm going to the opposite direction of of what you came and now after realizing it and now as a consultant when i'm working and working my project is ending now next year i don't have a project i have to start again the whole job search it made me realize that it would have been nice if i had a good amount of emergency fund not like just mm-hmm. a couple of months but like proper 6 months or a year so that i could relax and see and take my time because my daughter is also here i would like to also spend time with her so this is very interesting for me and i would love to have your thoughts on it that how could someone be different coming in from this kind of experience and and what are your suggestions for a person like me who looks at life from this lens yeah yeah it's an interesting story and I also wonder myself uh, why why people uh, start thinking about this, and, and and I think that's actually an opportunity to do to do some research on this, and maybe I, that's something I should do within my group now that the group uh, grew bigger. Um, and and sometimes I wonder, like, is this kind of intrinsic to the person, uh, or is it shaped by their experiences? I don't know if you recall or have probably have heard of this uh, like marshmallow test that uh, was done I think in the 70s yeah and they gave when they gave little children uh, like uh, they they brought them into a room where there was a, a candy a marshmallow and they had to sit in front of this candy for uh, 15 minutes and if they were able to do that without picking up the candy and eating it then they would get another one uh, by the end of the uh, <laughs> experiment yeah and then they tracked these children uh, like decades later through life and and they noticed that those that were able to defer uh, gratification uh, as they say uh, they were actually more uh, successful in, in life yeah. and 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 i would assume that a lot of children who who kind of passed this test would be the ones who are predisposed to uh, let's say saving money and and then and from there potentially even investing although there is actually I think quite a jump that you need to make from saving to investing. Yeah. But uh, saving is really uh the start. If you mm-hmm. are not saving then you cannot even think Invest- about investing. Think. Yeah. Yeah. So like the first thing we kind of teach in our group is is saving. Uh, how to save money. And 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 it starts basically uh from um tracking. So you need to kind of uh understand uh, where your money is going. So the first step is to uh start tracking your expenses. Yeah. I personally keep an Excel sheet and I, I and I track I have bet you did expenses <laughs> and I I do it uh, every weekend. I uh now it's a bit easier that uh, I pay everything through uh apps 
So it takes me a little time before, yeah, and I paid more yeah. with cash. Was yeah, to remember it, yeah. Yeah, but I, now I have data. I can go back like seven years in time and I can see like what I spent uh, every single purchase I made, like a, a cappuccino I bought. I bought and <laughs> just, it's just, yeah, quite cool when you think about it. Yeah. But then it, this gives you an idea, like where, where your money is going and, and then you can um, kind of optimize it and, and decide which things are really important and which are not. And, yeah. And, uh, and that's a start. Uh, that's a start uh, in in saving. Yeah. And um, and then yeah, one once I mean your initial target should be uh, to build like a cash buffer, so that you have enough money in case of an emergency. Yeah. And I think it's useful to think of like in terms of uh, months of expenses. So for most people, like six months worth of their uh, expenses is a, is a good target. Yeah, especially like here in Western Europe, where uh, there is a, like unemployment uh, insurance. So if you lose your job, you will get a few months covered by the state uh, of your yeah. earnings. And then when you add those six months, then it's quite a long buffer. Yeah. And, and we also have like social welfare. So, yeah, I think maybe in the US, you might need more than just six months. Uh, yeah. But I think I think here six months is quite OK for most people. Yeah. And um, Although, yeah, you need to kind of uh, yeah adjust for your circumstances, and so and yeah, I think if one of your appliances breaks down, yeah, so that's the money that you might need to spend. Yeah. Or I don't know if your pet has an emergency and you need to pay a veterinarian. That's another yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. Or you yeah. might just want to take some insurances. I don't know. I I don't own animals, so I don't know. But I would yeah. imagine there are insurances for animals as well. So, and but once you have this cash buffer. Then you can think of uh, doing something more interesting uh, with the surplus. And, and I think the most interesting thing to do is to invest it. Uh, yeah. But when you, when you invest, you have to kind of understand that this should only be money that you can afford not to have. So it's money yeah. that you don't really need to live with, Indeed. which is why you always have to have this cash buffer. And for example, if you invest in the stock market, then you need to be prepared to stay in the stock market for at least 10 years. Yeah. And I would say even more, like at least 15 years. Yeah. So you have to really think long term. And uh, it's, 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 yeah, it's a common trap to, to chase uh, short term gains that look extremely promising. But it's it's a very I think it's like a very quick way to become poor <laughs> if you go down down that path yeah you know? yeah because but, only a few succeed but most most really do fail in there yeah but I I like that point of view a few succeed most do fail but why can't we be the few Peter why is that I hear success stories after success stories of startups uh, bootstrapping it's a choice right yeah you you can. Yeah. I think uh, if you if you really are daring and you have a good idea, then yeah, start start your startup, yeah, start your company. Yeah, but that that's also a privilege in itself, right? To know that you can survive on no money from the state or mm. from your parents or from somewhere. People who have to pay the bills, people who have to make ends meet, people who have to support their families. For example, like me, this daring idea seems too far fetched. Yeah, I can do that next to a job, but I can't do it with no job. And that's exactly how I, I live. So if I work as a consultant and I work 40 hours a week, I, I make some money. The surplus, I don't put in the stock market. 
I put just a bit in the stock market, but the rest of it, I go like, you know what? It'll be nice if you can try something out. And then I, that's what this project is. That's what uh, I did a lot of, uh, uh, you can say, speculation in, in, in the Forex world to understand how it works, to see if there's something there for me. I've tried some other small, medium uh, ideas. Right now, my parents are after me for a catering business. So I get more excited about these things rather than just, you know, putting money in an investment account and then wait 15, 20 years. So for people I like think me, you're not really, you're, yeah, you're certainly not the only one. Yeah. So how, how do we deal with that? Because that is not the surefire way to retire rich, right? When you put the money no, in. No, and I think we will... need to, yeah, we have to kind of fight human psychology as well. Uh, and th there are like certain things like that are identified in psychology, like the, the present bias where people value their uh, immediate future much more than their uh, distant future. And I think they even did some like fMRI analysis people thinking uh, about themselves in the present and thinking about themselves in the future. And they, they kind of notice that the parts of the brain that are more active when they think about their future self are actually pretty much the same parts of the brain that are active when you think about other people. Yeah. And, uh, so you don't really see yourself self. like, yeah, yeah as, a, as a self. And that's why you kind of, yeah apply a different value judgment on the future than on the, on the, on the present or the very near future. Yeah. And, and I think also some studies in psychology and economy have identified uh, that people are kind of purely risk averse and also risk seeking in, in an interesting way. <laughs> so I think uh, I remember like one, one experiment, one common experiment that they did was they would ask people like, would you take $500 now? <laughs> or would you uh, take, uh, let's say $1,100 with a 50% chance that you get the $1,100 and a 50% chance that you get zero. So the second option is actually the expected value is better. Yeah. yeah it's 550 versus 500. Yeah. Yeah. But most people will pick the, the certain 500 yeah. rather than the, uh, the 550. Yeah, but on the other side. But, so... but the other side, you have also an example of a risk-seeking behavior. When they tell the people, like, would you accept a loss of uh, $400? Or you would pay tax. Or, or would you accept a loss of $1,000 with a 50% chance that you lose $1,000 and a 50% chance that you don't lose anything, anything. Then, they, then they choose the other option. Exactly. <laughs> just because there is a chance not to lose anything. Yeah. Yeah. So we are. And I think this gets a lot of people in trouble. Uh, yeah. Indeed. So we are more risk uh, averse when it comes to positive uh, stuff, but we're more risk seeking when it comes to a bit more, I won't, I want to say negative, but more in the sense financially dangerous stuff so when you're yeah. when you're trying to double down on a loss you want to double down on the loss but if you want to double down on the profit you're like hey, you know what i i'm happy with the certain 50 percent that 50 dollars that are coming every month you know like people want to keep some some people have to keep cash they don't even want to play the play the stock market they want to put an investment while you and i might know that a stock market is a surefire way of beating inflation. It has been for the past 40, 50 years, but yet people are scared because they see every day, look, it went down 10%, it went down up, up, up 10% or this, that COVID, it went down 35%. So they get worried about the short term, but they don't realize the amount of money that they're missing out on just by keeping it in cash because inflation is eating up your money. But that, Indeed, that and, I, and, I 
I think it's, it's, it's kind of understandable. People are afraid of what they don't understand. And it's a matter of educating them and teaching them uh, the value of investing. And I heard it, I think it was mentioned in one of the famous books on investing, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And the author was saying how uh, poor people think that investing is dangerous, whereas rich people think that not investing is dangerous. Yeah. Uh, because they have a lot of money that would be uh, eaten away by inflation. So uh, they have to invest it. They have to invest uh, it. Yeah, Indeed. Yeah. No, I, I really like it. So if you bring back the conversation to understanding investing is important and you are uh, putting in the effort in your own group to make them understand what in investing is. But you also mentioned something about retiring early. So I want to take the conversation yes. there a little bit. Now, I personally do not really understand the concept of retiring early because as you can see, I don't like sitting alone, right? So I will be I will be working nevertheless. When we were offline, you said something very interesting that for me, retiring early doesn't mean stopping to work, but it means to maybe reducing my days so I can have more free days, yet maintain Indeed. My, my lifestyle. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this whole financially independent retire early? How does it work? if you want to make it work and why for you working is important even after retirement. Yeah. So, so this is called, there's an acronym fire financial independent to retire early. So it's actually a movement and it was kind of started the, among millennials in the United States. And I think it traces back to the late nineties, but really it, it kind of kicked off in the two thousands. And there was a, there's like one famous internet personality, Mr. Money Mustache who uh, really popularized it. And uh, kind of what is kind of peculiar about FIRE is that they advocate a frugal lifestyle. So living well below your means. And uh, they kind of advocate anti-consumerism to, to achieve this. While at the same time, depending on capitalism uh, to uh, ensure early retirement uh, through uh, building up sufficient high passive income that it can completely cover your living expenses and uh, yeah so there's there's something called like uh, like a savings ratio which is a concept that explains uh, how much of your uh, salary you're able to save and people in the fire movement they try to save at least half of their salary and ideally like 70 percent of their salary and, and and if you run the numbers you can see that if you save like half of your salary and you invest it in the S&P 500 uh, index, which is the 500 largest companies in the U.S. by a market capitalization, then you can achieve uh, retirement in, uh, in about 16 to 17 years with, a yeah, let's say maybe 95 percent uh, probability. And if you save 70 percent of your uh, income, then you can achieve that in probably like 10 years, possibly even a bit less. Yeah, but so, does so that there apply were for... actually people who, who were able to do it in just 10 years by being so extremely aggressive uh, in lowering their living expenses. Yeah, but that, I think that's because the thing. If, you, if you're able to save 70% uh, of your income in one year, then you were basically like for each year you work, you saved uh, two years. Even if you don't, let's say, invest just in terms of uh, the net value of money, although, of course, you need to account for inflation. So it will be less uh, 
the more distant the future is, so you have to invest this money. Yeah, yeah, otherwise, but, it loses its value. Yeah, but I have a question here. Uh, I I like your idea of of being aggressive, but that means your lifestyle has to be very simplistic in terms of Indeed, spending. Yeah. So, a very easy argument against this is then okay, what's the point? of retiring early and not working if you're not really able to enjoy the, the, the fruits of your labor or the fruits the life is willing to give you is willing to give you how do you come back to it because i know personally i'm not the most ideal person to be preaching this uh because i'm not minimalistic at all i wish i could be but i'm not i do spend a lot on on technology right now i'm i have my eyes on the steam deck i do not know if you know about the steam deck no uh so you don't do gaming I know about Steam. I don't know about Steam Deck. Yeah, so like Steam Deck is basically a, a Game Boy version of, of a PC. So you can right. r run Steam games on them uh, and uh, play them on the go, which is inherently useless if you think about it. You don't, you don't need it. But if you think about it, you can also need it, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're on the commute. So my point is, I really want the Steam Deck, Peter, and I want you to help me justify the expense yet keep me motivated to be fired how how would we do that yeah so like one advice i would kind of uh is just as a thinking exercise i would give to people is to kind of think of items in your life as assets and liabilities so an asset is anything that uh, appreciates in value so an asset could be a house a house is usually uh, appreciate over time not always, but let's say in most cases, yes, especially yeah. in a stable country like the Netherlands. Mm. Uh, a liability, for example, would be a car. Cars depreciate in value. Yeah. So you should kind of focus on assets mm. and, and minimize your investment in liabilities. So liabilities are also, uh, let's say, designer clothes, expensive mm. electronics. We need some of these things, but most of them are, uh, yeah, kind of uh, surplus luxuries. Yeah. So I tell people, yeah, kind of focus more on the uh, assets. And perhaps also another useful exercise is to think of, uh, of time as money. So when you're going to buy an iPhone, you want to buy the latest iPhone 15. Think about how many months of uh, work that is to save enough money for that. And, and is that really worth your time? Yeah. I, I think about it the other way. I go like, okay, right. time is money. So imagine if I have a shitty phone that takes away a lot of my time in repairing it or maintaining it, or think of it as services, like how much effort goes to cooking and cleaning. And if I outsource it, it it's more cheaper, but it's not. It takes away income while I do have yes. time. While my income, my money is not, it's not, infinite as infinite as my time i can only work 40 hours a week nine to five right i can try to work in the evenings but there are not many opportunities available compared to my time which is always there so i can always clean the house i can always work a little bit more on on cooking and everything like that so do you not think it should be the other way around in that sense that i have a lot more time to expend so why not expend it to get the things that i want uh, yeah that's also a valid way to think but then, then there is like a cutoff point, right? Where you're uh, expending too much time and uh, you're kind of just uh, starting to live, uh, as they say, paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. 
because the more time you expend into, uh, let's say, activities that don't bring an income, you know, the lower your income gets. And yeah. I think many people are like that. They either, uh, yeah, they either don't earn enough because they work less. I would say that's a minority of people. But the majority of people in this situation are uh, people who uh, are spending their entire income and they don't see a problem with it. Except maybe over time they realize, yeah, I'm kind of just always at the, at the beginning. Like I haven't really moved anywhere. I haven't really built up anything in my life. So if I lose my job, I'm like in serious trouble. <clears throat> and and it's actually interesting. It, it, it's kind of universal across uh, income levels. Yeah. And it seems like in the US I've seen like even more prevalent among people who uh, earn six figures. Yeah. They're like even more often in this situation of living paycheck to paycheck than people uh, exactly. that have maybe like thirty, forty thousand dollars, which I found quite quite funny. <laughs> it's 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 confusing. So, to so be the more the more people earn, like they get an they get like a promotion and their salary increases and then also their uh Lifestyle uh, goes up, and uh, so they haven't really, yeah, improved financially at all. Uh, indeed, indeed, I agree with you. I think but so. So the idea of fire is to kind of, kind of, let's say, fix a certain lifestyle that you want. It doesn't have to be extremely frugal. It has to be something that you're comfortable with, but maybe it shouldn't be also lavish uh, either. And then you, you should seek, yeah, uh, to improve yourself career-wise to get these promotions increase your salary, but when you get a higher salary, you keep the same lifestyle. And and in that way, you're increasing your saving ratio. That's... You have to kind of be content with this life that you have. Yeah, but how? How? I, it's, it's, uh, I think it's, yeah, kind of going back to this marshmallow test, right? Uh, no, but that, if you're talking about the marshmallow test, you're you, saying there, it's there is a reward coming coming later. Yeah. And, but the ultimate reward, like the whole point why you would do this fire is is to get time. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, yeah. I don't, it's not paradoxical, but you're basically kind of a trading time and now in the near future for time in the distant future. Because once you become financially independent, then you have all the time in the world to do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. But it's more like you don't have the need to work, but you still would want to work. You would want to work on your projects, on your passion. You can, you can work, you can travel the world. I mean, there, there is a channel, uh, CNBC Make It on YouTube, where you can find many, many stories of people who achieved fire or are working towards fire. And I remember there was one guy who uh, started an internet company and then he sold it for several million dollars. And, uh, and he, and, and the guy that kind of, uh, bought the company, he just said, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to the Caribbean to the beach. Uh, and the guy says like, so yeah, that sounds really nice when you're coming back. Like, uh, what do you mean? Like, I'm not coming back. <laughs> I'm gonna stay there. And, uh, and, and then he said like, this kind of got boring. And then, um, he got back home and then, uh, he, uh, started playing Star Starcraft. And he played StarCraft for one year and it's like, okay, this was like a waste of time. Uh, maybe I should just kind of like start doing what I really like. And then he started another company. And, uh, yeah. So basically, yeah, what he realized was that he, he loves to work no matter how much money he has. He did, but it took him a few years to realize this. And then... <laughs>
Yeah, it could be. But that is a privilege in itself yeah. that you can have few years of playing Star Starcraft and 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 traveling on Caribbean islands for you to realize that oh, all you need to do is just go back to work, because that's what you Indeed, want. Yeah, yeah. But, so that, that is the ultimate freedom, and and I think that that's what financial independence gives you. So, I have a I have a question. So it's very easy to write down stuff. It's very easy to plot it in your uh, Excel sheet and in your calendar and everything. But how do I stay the course? So for example, now I say to myself, okay, aha, the year of 2024 is the year of, of, of the emergency fund. This year, you need mm -hmm. to build your emergency fund no matter what. Save your yes. money, be very, but how do you do that? When my wife tells me today that I'm in the mood for Dr. Feelgood Burger and we order like a 30, 35 euro uh, burger, right? And we eat it. We, we're losing money. I could have made food that would have cost five to 10 euros, but I chose not to because my wife was like, I'm in the mood to eat something. Let's order. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Sure, we earn good money. Why not? And that's what it's been for the past few years for me. It's, it's exactly Yeah, it's like not going to be easy, right? I mean, first you need to convince yourself and then you need to sell the idea to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, you have to start with yourself, uh, I would yeah. say first. And I mean, for me, it's easier since I'm uh, like a single person. Uh, but you, yeah, you have to be, you have to feel very strongly about it. I mean, otherwise you will not, yeah, you will, it will be extremely difficult. Uh, but uh, yeah, doing it st step by step, uh, I think is, is, is a valid strategy. So I think building a cash buffer, that's something quite attainable. I think most people, I think everybody can do this, right? Yeah. It might take time, uh, but that's, that's, that's like, yeah, kind of low hanging fruit. Uh, that that you should work towards, and once you have this, then then yes, just kind of let it grow a little bit, and see uh, yeah, and then you might kind of start thinking yeah, what 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 to do with like these uh, extra months that I don't need in my cash buffer. Yeah. Uh, no, but how, like, how, how do I? We, how about how about we invest that, for example? Um, but the question is. Yeah, what what are the kind of what are the benefits, right? So you need to also think about that. Like, what do I want to achieve? So I mentioned like one 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 achievement was that we discussed is early retirement, but it doesn't have to be that. So another uh, achievement can just be actually extra income. Yeah. Like kind of like you like mentioned some side hustles. Your investments can be a form of extra income. So you can you can just kind of invest uh, money in a in a dividend paying company. So there are like some companies that pay five to eight percent dividends. Yeah, uh, and that's extra income that you can have every month. And and if you kind of sufficiently build this up, it can be uh, yeah several thousand euros a year or even more. Yeah, is it is there like... is there any company is there any index? that gives you dividend of all the companies that give dividends is that i think of... there is i don't i don't invest in that but certainly there are i mean people have built indexes for pretty much anything that you can yeah. think of so there are also indexes for uh, dividend paying companies and then so that's, you, that's, is... that's an... so that's it's kind of like one idea maybe we can kind of go a little bit later into some of the investment strategies but i would also want to mention like another maybe potential idea is to uh, and something we touched upon in the very beginning is to for example uh, work less a week so you don't want to retire that's not your goal 
but what you might want to do is like work one day VKLS or, or work two days VKLS, but keep the same lifestyle. So you will earn less money. But if you have this passive income on the side, then you can make up for this shortfall. Indeed. Indeed. And then you have time to pursue your other uh, pleasures. And so that's okay. kind of, okay, I, let's I would talk. say like, in, like by talking with people in the Netherlands, I have the impression they really prefer this uh, alternative to early retirement more. Yeah, yeah I agree. And, so and, they, and they even named it uh, uh, HOT, H-O-T, is like opposed to FIRE. And then H-O-T stands for happiness, opportunity, and time. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a wonderful way of looking at it. Now, so let's try to make it personal a little bit. So we're talking about general theories and everything. So why do you want to reduce a few days a week? What would you be trying to work towards then if you had oh, the opportunity? I really, I really like learning things. So I would like really spend this time uh, educating myself. And, and I really like to learn, read books. I like to follow courses online. And, and there are so many things I would like to try out and, and maybe do my hobby projects in programming. And uh, that I don't have the time or sometimes even the energy after uh, uh, like a, a stressful work week. So these are these are immediately the things that come to my mind. Uh, of course, I also like to travel. So that's another thing I, I would be doing more. And, um, I mean, so there are many strategies like I also like you can also instead of like working one week, one day a week less or two days a week less. You can maybe do um, extended vacations every year, for example. And then they don't get paid, years. basically. Yeah, so you take either a sabbatical, you quit your job because you have enough money on the side. Yeah. And then you go traveling uh, around the world for three months. Yeah. And then you come back to work. And then how? you do that every, every year or two. Like, but how are you so confident that you're going to get a job, though? Yeah, so I think this works better in a, in, in a country like the U.S. where it's, it's, it's quite normal to, um, I mean, you don't have to give any reason to fire somebody or, or to quit. And, and then because of that, it's also very easy to get hired. Yeah. Whereas in Europe, it's, 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 yeah, I mean, it's like almost impossible to fire someone, but then it's also a double-edged sword. It's also kind of difficult to to get a job as well. Yeah, indeed, indeed. You have to pass many hurdles because, it, yeah, you're kind of a liability to the company if yeah, you're a troublemaker, let's say. Let's call it like that. <laughs> no, indeed, that makes sense. But so, I mean, that, that's another idea, right? So yeah. I think, yeah, you, there are many possibilities. Yeah. So what else? What else could you do instead of reducing work and vacationing? And if you think about investment strategies, I'm still, I'm still curious to for us to find a way to stay on track keep stay motivated so because for me personally the biggest issue always has been to stay the course so personal well, development have, was... i mean as, as i said before you need to have a goal like you need to fix a target yeah there's a target you can say let's say let's say then. let's say my target is i want to retire in 15 years yeah then i will take an excel sheet i will uh, run the numbers and i will see okay i need to save 50% of my income every year if i want to have a realistic chance to achieve that and then this is my kind of a yardstick. So every year I, I, I keep this Excel sheet and I compute my savings ratio. And then I can see I'm on target or I'm not on target. And, and, and this is, yeah, something that keeps me going towards the direction that I want to go. Yeah, yeah, but that helps you, right? 
You go like it helps me if I see the numbers. But how do I convince myself when I see two thousand euros drop into my account that okay, thousand is not mine? Because that's the biggest struggle that I face, right, uh, Peter? I look at the money and I go like, oh, a lot of money to spend. So, how do you? Yeah, that, that's why, like, I was. That's kind of like the question that I have. Like, like, is this like intrinsic to people? Can we? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I have not really tried to do this on a large scale. To uh, I only get people in my group who are already interested, right? Yeah. I I don't reach out to people in the street. Hey, like, yeah, you should be financially dependent. No. <laughs> uh, so, so I have like an easy easy task because I already have motivated people, and I yeah. know as a child I I would like yeah kind of find it natural to say things. I would like get gifts like chocolates whatnot for birthdays and, and and people would visit their home and then i would just keep them in my uh, part of my wardrobe or closet and then my my brother and my mom they would like eat their chocolates immediately and then they would like see my big pile of chocolates yeah <laughs> and i would take just one little bar every day and then i think my mom one point says yeah if you're not gonna eat it i'm gonna eat it like and uh <laughs> No, but that there is a predisposition yeah. attached to it then, yeah. right? Because you are that type of person who can say, yeah. yeah, but for me, like I'm that, I'm I'm basically your brother and your mom, right? I, I look at chocolate, I eat chocolate. I look at money, I spend money. So discipline has always been a, a problem. So yeah, I, I don't have an easy answer for you. And I mean, some people I know that through talking, one of the reasons why they want to pursue this path is like they hate their job. They want to stop working as soon as possible. And that's a very strong motivator for people. Yeah. Like one, one, yeah, I think one person that I know that's already retired early, that was his main motivator. Like he started working at 18 and realized I hate working. Like, and already at age 18, he started planning uh, early retirement. Like, oh, wow. And that, that was his motivation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's intense. It's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do want to. So I, I cannot really give you an answer, right? You first have to realize this is even worth worth pursuing and i think if you realize it's worth pursuing you're you're a smart man you you will figure it out yeah yeah but i think you, you know yeah yeah i think my my predisposition and my uh, bias falls more towards the right side of the scale rather than the left side of the scale right so your scale is pretty simple that okay say 50 to 70 percent of your income in the next 15 to 20 years you're gold for sure for sure and I go like, yeah, but not for sure, but a little bit of high probability. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Nothing, well, you said ninety-five percent, yeah. so <laughs> yeah, as 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 best as you can. And I go like, okay, but why not live my life now and enjoy my life in the future by hustling as much as I can and see if I can hit a six here and there. So by by a six, I mean it's a it's a cricket terminology. <laughs> so like, mm -hmm. uh, or think of it as a home run, you know. So. That's that's how I live. I look, I go like, okay, what are the possibilities that I can maximize my income rather than focus on my expenses? Because I do want to live a good life now and I do want to mm -hmm. live a good life in the future. So I cannot fathom to see me compromising on my life now for a life in the future. As you said, it's a person I don't even know. It, it, what if it's a person who doesn't want to retire? Then all of this was uh, for, for, for not that I spent so much time, had a frugal lifestyle, and got to the point of retirement that I became one of the, like one that is those guys who goes like, you know what? I like working. Well, great, you like working, but then what about the last 15 to 20 years you were enjoying a frugal lifestyle to stop working? But no, you always want to work. So I focus more on there because I feel like I'm one of those people who will never stop working. If retirement is not something I see. Yes, mm -hmm. I would like to work on something that I choose. 
I want to work in, in jobs and in, in things that I could enjoy. A good example of this would be, as you said yourself, like I would love to be a teacher or, or a trainer at a university. And that doesn't pay mm -hmm. a lot. So okay. I, I'm trying to find ways that how I could ma manage those life while also earning a good lifestyle. And that's, is, is the struggle that I'm in these days in trying to find a balance between the two. Yeah. I mean, only you can answer this question. Right. And, uh, and I don't necessarily think that financial independence is a path that most people should pursue. Yeah. It's just one of the paths you can take in life. And I, I don't want to impose this on anybody. And, uh, it's a path that I chose and, and I think it's a good path, but it doesn't necessarily need to be a good path for other people. Yeah. Indeed. So, yeah, I mean, that's like the best answer I can give you. <laughs> uh, it, I'm yeah. very, I'm enjoying this conversation a lot. Sadly, we have to wrap it down slowly, slowly. We're hitting the mark, mm -hmm. but I am really enjoying it because I'm really trying to understand this, right? As you said, it's nice to broaden your horizon. It's nice to understand a little bit more from different people. And for me, it's very interesting to know and hear and listen to people who go like, who are so passionate about this because they're like, I, I imagine myself living in a life where I choose what I want to do. And I can choose to, choose to be who I want to be. And to achieve that, being able to have such discipline and being able to have such, uh, you can say, passion to live a lifestyle as you're living, to achieve that lifestyle there is commendable. It's because I can't do it, right? That's exactly why it's commendable. Because if you ask me to compromise now for something in the future, I go like, I don't know. I, I like to have my cake and eat it too, right? I want and and mm -hmm. lifestyle. I'm like, can I not have this? And can I not have that? And that is improbable. So that's why I like to learn and have these conversations. You're the second guest on financial freedom I had in, in the podcast because right. I had, yeah, I had cool. one more before as well, because same conversation, they were like, you need to focus on yourself. You need to see where your money is going and everything. And I'm like, I do everything. I have this app. It's called wallet. I do not know if you know All about right. it. Wonderful app. So easy. Just directly connects to your bank account. And it's, it's smarter that it automatically categorizes your expenses pretty, pretty accurately. I think 80%. So you have to just do 20% effort and that's relatively easy. And then you see your budget at the end of the month and you go like, huh? And literally my reaction is, well, this is okay. <laughs> this, this isn't bad, but it is a lot of money, but I still justify that. They're like, yeah, well, 500 euros to 800 euros on food is, 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 is reasonable. But then I talk to people and some people go like, no, it's not reasonable. Some people say, yeah, oh, it's less than what we spend. So it's, it's, it's confusing on 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 a personal level as you said but no matter what i do for myself i always stuck get stuck at discipline so why why i enjoyed this conversation was i learned a lot about discipline about goal setting and i hope i hope i can come back to you with some good news later on down the line that hey peter i achieved my goal for 2024 i made a, a savings buffer by doing this whole calculation that, okay, to achieve six months of expenses, uh -huh. I need to per month save this much money. Maybe that would be a way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, challenge yourself a little bit with a, with a small, small target. And I think you will uh, feel much better. I, I personally feel much better having a, a financial buffer and knowing that, yeah, I could just like quit my job and uh, go travel around the world if I want at any moment in time. It's it's a huge huge psychological relief. Yeah, I think to be, so. Yeah. Uh, to be in such a situation. Yeah, I, I've even seen like certain studies that show that people who are in financial duress and who are struggling 
day by day just to feed themselves and their family, they're not making good decisions in life. Yeah. Their, their brain is kind of overcapacitated, just trying to survive. They cannot really look into the future and, and do long-term planning. Indeed. And this really, this really, uh, yeah, kind of puts them on a, on a downward spiral. Yeah. Indeed. Well, so, thank you so much, Peter, for your time. I want to. It was my pleasure. Yeah. Yes. And I want to thank you for educating us a little bit on this. And I want to tell a little bit about your group. Where can we find it? What are the links? I'll put the links in the show notes. So anyone who's listening mm -hmm. here in Eindhoven can visit those things. If you want to showcase your personal links, if you talk about this online somewhere, we can also post those down. So maybe this is your moment to talk a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah. So, so my group is on Meetup. We meet uh, in Eindhoven every two weeks. So we, we combine uh, kind of social gatherings in a, in a cafe setting around the table. And we also do uh, presentations in, in, let's say, kind of private reserved rooms uh, with projection equipment and, and flip charts, where we kind of dig in deeper into certain topics. And uh, it's a great opportunity to, uh, to learn about financial independence, to improve your financial literacy, but also to make new friends. Uh, I think that's maybe the most valuable uh, thing of a meetup like this. And uh, yeah, I encourage everybody just to visit and see uh, if you like it. And I guarantee you, you're gonna have a good time. Yeah. That's great. Thank you so much, Peter. The links will be down below. If anyone is interested here, who's listening here in Eindhoven to visit uh, Peter's meetup. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing it myself if I get the chance, but parenthood is a bit difficult. So we're focused on that. Yeah, first. Take your time. <laughs> thank you so much, Peter, for your time. And I wish yeah, you a wonderful you evening. Yeah, yeah take you care. too. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah. Good night. Bye-bye. I just want to give you guys a heads up. The Roundtable is beginning for January 2024. The Roundtable is a mastermind group where I try to bring like-minded yet cross-functional people in one room under my facilitation where we will go through goals, ideas, obstacles, even debates where people are interested about something. They want to learn something from everyone else in the group and basically become a better version of themselves. I am really, really enthusiastic about this project and I'm really looking forward to seeing any one of you who wants to sign up and be part of the process. The link is on the website, uh, of course, to sign up. And if you go to our Instagram or any of our uh, social media links, you will see the link as well. It is also here below in the show notes. So if you're interested, just click the link, so fill out the form, and I will catch you in an introductory call. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll catch you next time. Thank <laughs> you.